Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to our newest podcast. Today we have on Daniel Chapman, who I met February 2019, I believe is the case. Uh, we did Handmaid's Tale together in Boston. I met him as the production manager, but he actually has his training in lighting design, projection design, uh, something programmer. I, I don't know. Daniel does almost <laughs> everything. But I met him. <laughs> See, this is why I write down my my bios when I start. Um, I met him as a production manager because at Boston Lyric, we didn't have one. And Julia naturally found, brought in Daniel. And when I said, well, will I like him? And she was like, of course you'll like him. He's Devin's best friend. You'll get along. He'll be fine, which was pretty accurate. So I didn't really know anything about you till you got started. Um, and then I just learned that he does lighting. He does ballet, uh, dance, regular theater, opera, you do industrials, you do projections and lighting. I think your last couple shows at Santa Barbara, you did lighting and projections? Uh, just projection. But yeah. Just projections? It's about 50-50. So. Uh, master electrician, production management, um, and then software projects that I do want to talk about later. So anyways, it's a very well-rounded and so much that you do. How did you even... <laughs> get started here what made you want to spend your life in theater uh well you know that's that's a loaded question no um i i started <laughs> like, so I didn't. have a hobby um so i, I kind of helped out on the technical end and then i uh, went to school for engineering you know right out of there uh, got bored transferred back to uh, university of new mexico and i ended up in the theater quite a bit there um so i was really more of like a technical director when I started and I uh, had a really great mentor, John Malalopsi out at UNM and he kind of got me into lighting. So I ended up assisting him and that was kind of my early, early work doing a lot of ballet and dance. Um, the University of New Mexico has a big dance program that's uh, arguably bigger than their theater program by a long shot. Hmm. Um, so I got to work with a lot of like master's students who were working on choreography and uh, different things. So there was a lot of opportunity to light dance. So that was kind of my early career. Um, and then I, I focused on lighting, pretty much. That's kind of where I fell in. Yeah, that was my groove as a designer. Uh, and I ended up at Carnegie Mellon a couple of years after that. Um, did my master's. And then I've been running around doing crazy stuff since. Um, but uh, I, I originally was in New York with the acting company right out of grad school. Did a little bit of time on a cruise ship, but then I toured with the acting company. And I was out with them for, I think, a year. And then I said I would quit theater and never do it again. And I took a financial programming job. <laughs> doing like bank software for Jamaican banks, uh, some Caribbean banks that weren't in Jamaica, but that's okay. I uh, did that for you and <laughs> went right back out to touring because uh, I couldn't handle it. So I was out with the uh, acting company again. Then, then the usual happens, like there was a shakeup in personnel. So I ended up as the TD, then the production manager. And I was out for a year and a half and I designed for them while I was there. Uh, and then uh, my wife, uh, at that point we weren't married, but she got a job teaching in Illinois. So we moved out to Monmouth, Illinois, <laughs> where she was a visiting professor. And uh, that's kind of how I got into the educational side of things. Um, I ended up taking a position as a professor down at Western Illinois University for a couple of years. And then as higher ed does, we bounced again all the way out to Montana, um, where she has her position now, where she's a division chair at the University of Montana Western. 
Um, and I've been freelance designing pretty much since then, uh, although I recently started a position at Berea College as their new design professor. So I've kind of been all over the map. Um, I I couldn't even keep up with the notes on that. I was like, here, there, bang. I I just stopped. Yeah, (laughs) excellent. Um, You know, I was was working during the recession, like a lot of people, and we took on what jobs paid. Um, So I ended up a lot of times being a production manager, um, technical direction, master electrician, all that side of things. Uh, Those jobs are a little steadier and longer than the design work. Um, You know, and lighting's saturated. There's a lot of us. (laughs) So you have to pick up other skills. Um, So I worked out in Connecticut. That's actually uh, with Devin. We did a lot of stuff there. Um, I was with Summer Theater of New Canon as their PM and LD on and off for like five-ish years. I haven't been back in a while, but that's okay. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, I got into opera sometime around the time I became a professor at uh, WIU, uh, Opera Southwest. John, my early mentor, retired from there. And recommended me, so I came in and started doing a fair amount of opera with them, and that was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. So that's uh, <laughs> since that is that is kind of my main shtick professionally at this point. So wait, what did you think opera was going to be? Boring? Uh, a little bit, yeah. You know, yeah. But that was my experience. <laughs> yeah. But um, it actually it's a little more lively. Um, and then guerrilla opera. Actually, I should mention them too. That's I work with Julia a lot there. Uh, that is really fun. Putting on new operas and a black box setting is really kind of exciting. So I got to do a fair number of shows with them. So. Right. Cause they do new works too, right? Or like mm-hmm. commission pieces. Yeah. They, they pay a buck, but um, they do a commission work <laughs> for the composer and then they fully realize it, which is cool. You have a, uh, a small core company um, of musicians and singers. So you don't really get to choose and there's no maestro, which is also nice. That's a different you know mechanism in opera, uh, but then they produce it to the best of their ability. So we, you know, generally have a lot of fun putting it on. And it's usually pretty weird work, you know, like uh, No Exit came out of there. That was fun. Um, not oh, something wow. you think of as an opera, but it's actually a pretty good opera. Um, stuff Twin Loves, the weird stuff. It is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So more of an experimental theater background than anything else. But... Right, and I do. Maybe that's why you're perfect for Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that was an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was good. It was. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of why Julia brought me in. So she know she knows that I do the non-standard venues more often than not, actually. So Yeah, I don't think anybody who had never worked in an experimental space before would have been able to do it. You know, like if, if your whole background had been proscenium theaters, it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah, you know, no dressing rooms, things like that. So it was a no fun bathrooms. Project. No yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> At least it was inside. Like, I can't even say all of my productions have been inside. Like, Oh, no, we've done enough outside. <laughs> I do stuff in crypts, which really have no dressing rooms or bathrooms. So, yeah, it's you know. actually disgusting without bathrooms. So, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very true. So then how did you get into programming? Or did um, you just figure out, like, I want this program and it doesn't currently exist, and so I'm just going to make it myself? Actually, I kind of just hate light, right? That's that's the real answer. Um, <laughs> I was using it in and I was like, what? what the hell is this? Um, so it really irritated me. And I was like, I bet I could build a website that does this. Um, and that was 10 years ago and it's still not done, but um, 12 years ago. Uh, but I started, I took a computer science course as a, as kind of a, can we do this? Uh, and found out I really enjoyed it. It's very similar to what we do in lighting. Um, just another part of the brain to work. Um, and it's been my hobby slash profession since. So I'd spend, I probably spend half my time programming. I have a little weird software business on the side that uh, <laughs> booms and busts. 
but I've got a couple clients that like build apps for, I was working for Chinese banks for a while. I was doing web deployments for that for retirement software. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just another, another space. Um, but it's become more useful um, since I, the projection design thing started happening. That's where it really programming is kind of critical to that, to be able to design your own systems. Um, and I try and build my own media servers when I can. Um, less and less for reliability reasons. But, you know, with the whole Zoom theater thing right now, that's kind of my my little research project is how to do a distributed system for that and chat about that in a bit. Um, that's kind of fun. But, yeah, that's how I got into it. We're totally talking about that in a minute. But did you do the programming first and then start doing projection design second or which came yeah. first? Yeah, yeah, programming was first. I never thought I'd be into video. Um, it just became a need uh, when I got, when I was teaching at WIU, actually, there was a Candace Wintersmarsh, who's a choreographer. She retired there. Um, but she had some pretty interesting ideas for dance and there wasn't anything that existed for it. So we just kind of took a stab in the dark and started writing software to try and do, uh, it was real time simulations. So the idea would be that there was physics on stage with the performers. Mm -hmm. So in this one, it was kind of, it was acerbic. It's a good word for it. Uh, but it was like tweets would blow up onto the psychic. Um, and then one dancer was interacting with people and the other dancers were all staring at their phones basically. And uh, she started breaking the tweets into letters so they would start raining and then it would play with a physics engine so she could dance with what was left of them. So it was kind of like leaves blowing in the wind. Um, and there just isn't anything to do that out of the box to create a system. Um, so that's where those two worlds kind of merged. And I've been pursuing that as the background research topic for like probably six years. So I have a couple different media servers that exist in, in some capacity, but I've used them on a fair number of shows. So usually dance not usually opera. So. See, 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 like when, when something happens that I don't know what to do, like I don't think, oh, I'll just create a whole media server. Yeah, I don't, like those words are like still foreign to me, even though my husband <laughs> does that stuff. I'll be like, so what you do today? And he talks and I'm like, uh-huh, uh -huh. <laughs> no idea. Like, Good job. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. Town, so, um, but do you ever do projections and lighting together yeah all the like time Southwest. yeah um it's it's a double-edged sword because there's a lot of work um you have to do a lot more prep work or you don't have enough tech time um but usually i work with an associate when i go that route i kind of demand a good associate lighting designer so that i can get sucked away in projection land um i don't know uh it's fun i don't know if it's the best way to work uh, you do have more control that's nice <laughs> that's about it but with um, more control comes a lot more work <laughs> A lot more work, yeah. Um, the good news when that happens usually, although when I work with a good LD, it's not a problem, um, is trying to get the lighting and video to make sense together, uh, which is usually the, well, you guys have done shows. You know that doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but I want the psych to be green. Yeah, well, I have a projection on it, so I don't want the psych to be green. Exactly. Yeah. Basically that. Um, so I have a lot of like little projects I haven't been able to deploy, but like... Um, one is a virtual psych that runs behind the projections, so the LD can control the fades on the skyline. Um, I haven't been able to use that. Um, I've used snapshots of it in productions, but I've never used the system live running off the light board, uh, usually because the ME doesn't want to hook up to the projecting system, but that's a that's a union issue. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 describe that more. How does that work? Well, like um, I use virtual lights in the projection system a lot. So like you'll have, I can draw colors on the background based on what the light board's sending. So they can mm -hmm. control the red, green, and blue values and the intensity. 
and then we draw a gradient using that. So they can have a cue that fades the background behind my projections. And then I put content in front of that. Um, that's that particular system. So it's just like integrating those two worlds a little bit, kind of like physics integrates the performance and the projections in a good production. You know, theoretically, okay. like someone should be able to push a projection, right? But we can't always do that. We can fake it. Um, but the goal is eventually to like use a sensor for that, you know, so that the video system responds to it. Um, a lot of like, uh, what is it? It's Adrian M and Claire B out of Southern France do a lot of that. Um, Pixels is my favorite work by theirs, but they have a ton. And they do installations and interactive dance shows where that is. Uh, I'm sure that's not how they're really doing it, but that's the baseline for that's where what it is. looks like. Yeah. So, although they've done a couple with sensors, I'm pretty sure. So, do you have to connect to the light board to make some of that stuff work? For uh, it could. I think in this case, they're probably just like running on a Mac. But um, you know, it's it's the idea of something beyond just video. You know, that's really what makes it. It's interesting for me. You know, it's not an after effects trick. It's like something, the dancer did something and there was a cue that caused some physics to happen and that affected the world. Is kind of the way I like to think of it. And we don't get to do that most of the time. So really abstract way to describe that. <laughs> no, but it sounds super cool and I'm trying to picture it and I just don't know how to write it in my notes because I'm too busy trying to picture it. <laughs> because the, I've uh, done... Pixel. Um, I think there's a DVD out because the library at Berea was finally able to snag a copy. It was like tied up in rights for the longest time. It got pulled from YouTube. Uh, but that piece is like some of their early work. And it's it's pretty cool. It's like an hour-long dance piece with interactive projections in a proscenium format with like good dancers and decent choreography. Um, so that that's kind of my recommendation for that style. Um, it's a little dated, but it's still really beautiful work. Because I've only done it where like the dancer has already filmed something that's being projected so it looks like he's dancing with himself, but it's all, mm -hmm. it's not live. It's a recorded video playing back that looks like it could be live. Yeah, it's. I think this is actually scribbled live on like a Wacom tablet and with like Wiimotes and some other stuff. They were doing, uh, there was some improv that happened with it. And the performance I did with Candice with the software, that's where Motion kind of got its, uh, its start, which is a little open source project we have. Um, you basically could move a mouse on the screen or use a stylus to control the physics. So you kind of like chose a brush and then you would record brush strokes that you could play back or you could do it live or you could do a combination of them. So like if you, like a really good way to think of it is like something moving stage left to stage right, right? That just like, a, you know, a big thing moving through the leaves. That can happen. And then another direction could happen like up to down, but they don't have to happen the same way each time. Like it's based on the dancer's movement is when that cue is fired and not the pre-recorded sequence. So it's not video, it's real-time graphics. So those those two motions would exist and they were canned in most of the performances because we weren't able to like do it live with an operator. But theoretically, it could be a live motion that's done by someone who's actually drawing on the stage as that projection is happening. So that's the kind of the impetus behind it is to have it be reactive to what's happening instead of canned. So would a stage manager even be able to call something like that? Or it's the like the person running the projection program basically has to be taking their own cues and running everything kind of live? I think it's a combination of both. You know, um, I had a stage manager who ran the projection system when I did it. It was a student. Um, and they like were hitting a space bar, you know, and drawing with a mouse on the screen. You know, it was like not a normal system. They stared at text output at the bottom of a window and like made sure everything lined up. Um, 
So it, it was called, but it, it was also not a really set piece. The dancers kind of did some improv. So things happened differently every night. And it was stronger some nights than other nights. So, which is fun. That, that made it real theater for me. Yeah. I find that to be more artistic, though. Oh, totally. To, to actually be reacting to what's going on on stage and not because lights are, are so set. I mean, you have some artistic, as a stage manager, some artistic ability to call them a second or two earlier or later or whatever. But to, to draw with them actually sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's not like it's not production ready, you know, but the concept is. And I think there's been a lot of performance to show that working. Um, our real goal is to use uh, cameras to track the dancers and we just never got there. You know, that became like a budget and time thing. Um, but it's like on the back burner, you know, someday when I have a free thousand hours, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, <laughs> I thought that's what well, COVID was giving everyone right now. <laughs> never ending time. Remodel. That's that's what the sun ring is for, you know, the pile I haven't finished. Um, <laughs> like with motion capture suits so that the cameras pick them up or? You know, we were just trying to track them, like just straight up images. We were trying to use some. Oh, Okay computer vision to say like that's a human and not the floor um we used a uh, connect the old xbox connect for infrared cameras and depth <laughs> and that actually worked really well um so we were able to do some of that but it couldn't cover a stage and like honestly mm -hmm. if i had money time and uh, colleagues who were more positive we probably could have pulled it off um <laughs> but there was some negativity dragging that one back um so we, we did the simple version we just used a mouse um but I had played with it and the depth scanning, which is like literally using a laser to like figure out where stuff is, like the self-driving cars do, um, to track how far the dancer is away and then subtract that and figure out where they are in space. So if you had like two cameras tracking people, you should be able to extrapolate where they are. And then a dancer could be assigned a, a force, you know, they could repel or attract things. And as they move through space, it should affect the projections. That was kind of the initial initial idea, so. Almost got there. Not quite. Well, you have time. No, you know. So not dead yet. So. Yeah, not dead yet. Very good. It sounds so cool, but yeah, definitely something that it's not like we have five days to tech a show go. It's like, hey, you have a week in the space to play with things, figure it out, and then we'll worry about tech. Yeah, and we kind of did that. At, at an educational facility, you have a little bit more leeway there. So like we went in and recorded what the dancers were doing earlier. And we got to like play with systems in the space while they were choreographing. Um, so we had a little bit more of a non-standard process, you know, but um, it was fun. That was when I was at WIU, we did that. And that, that entire project was like in the span of three months or something. We kind of pulled it out of a hat and just ran. So probably could look up exactly when it was. But. Do you have any videos of any of that? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere. It's terrible. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, my portfolio. Yeah, the, the videography was like the worst. I mean, you don't have video in a podcast, but I'm like reaching to grab my head. Um, <laughs> I have some shot of a test shot that was shot on an iPhone and then like they just overexposed it and then underexposed it and then zoomed in. So you like literally can't see the projections for most of it. Um, <laughs> okay, not useful. No, not useful. Not even for like trying to get a grant to recreate it. Um, it was that bad. We were like, well, that ship sailed. Um. <laughs> I, that, oh, that drives me crazy so often where I'm like, okay, that's great that I'm staring at a singer's face, but what about the rest of the show? 
yeah, no, I bought cameras after that show. I've got like my own my own gear to record stuff because I, I just gave up at that point. Um. <laughs> yeah. I feel like most designers do that because the production photos that you get from a company is not what's beneficial for a designer, unless it's yeah. like the makeup artist. Yeah, I think that's like uh, the greater crime in our industry, right? That if you have money, you can get away with building a better portfolio. But the uh, the young and the less moneyed uh, do not want to spend 500 bucks on a camera, uh, myself included. So well, I they also have to learn how to use it. Like I right? can point and shoot, but like all that adjusting and timing and exposure. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I just point and shoot. <laughs> If I could go back 10 years in time, I'd slap myself and buy a camera. But, you know, that's uh, it is what it is. So I have stuff from the last two or three years. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you're working from here or forward. Yeah, you know, now that I have an associate professor and don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good times. So yeah, it's not like you're, you're not going to not freelance, right? Uh, probably continue freelancing. Depends. It'll dial back a little bit. But yeah, probably. I guess that's true. I don't know. It's good to have student assistance. It's like the best way for them to learn, period. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Southwest is pretty cool. They generally have found a way for me to bring an assistant, um, just kind of regardless. And they don't have money. So it's a it's a nice thing. They've uh, they've housed one of my assistants who's now an associate there. Um, wow, that's nice. regularly. Yeah, they're they're super cool. Good, good company. Good people. So. Every time I hear you mention Opera Southwest, I just think of like my favorite story of was it Lonegren? <laughs> Oh yeah, Lohengrin, that's pretty good. Yeah. Theater. Can you tell it's it's my favorite story. You have to tell us. It's it's pretty bad. So um I'll tell <laughs> you the short version is uh there was a fire alarm that was triggered. So the the fire suppression system was triggered over the weekend, uh two weeks before we went into the theater. And it's the National Hispanic Cultural Center. It's a uh, state theater, really beautiful. Uh, you know, uh New Mexico spent a lot of money on it. They had one of the Disney grants came in to help with it. Uh, so it's kind of like out of their price range, but they managed to get a really beautiful theater. Uh, so anyhow, this uh, fire alarm was triggered over the weekend and they called the security guard and, you know, there's like, oh, there's no fire here. There's no suppression system going. So the fire department didn't come out. And what it turns out it happened is the suppression was actually triggered. So it rained <laughs> over the weekend oh. and like, the entire stage floor with water. But the best part is why it went off. Uh, the security guard was I think allegedly is the word you have to use in this case. I don't know where this case ended up. Uh, smoking plant matter. That's how it was phrased in the article. Oh, <laughs> you can't see it, but that, that on my wall, you guys can at the podcast. That is the articles about it. It's French. Um, smoking plant matter in the electrical room, which is where like the servers for the network for the theater was, um, and set off this uh, the suppression system. And like you would think it's pot or something, but it was actually cottonwood leaves. So it was like smoking tree parts and set it off and then freaked out, uh, allegedly, and ran away. Um, so they found it on Monday when the uh, when the effective TD walked in. Um, so yeah, that happened. They ruined the theater, uh, canceled all the shows for like six months. Um, yeah, pretty sweet. And then COVID happened. So there's just not a lot of action in that theater right now. So plant matter. That was how it was raised. So. I mean, it shouldn't be funny because it's like really horrible and devastating and you guys were supposed to put a show in there. But I just remember, I don't remember if it came from you or Brett was the stage manager on that show. Oh yeah, that's right. Was it right after or was it right before Philadelphia? When did, when was Lonegren? I was, while I was at BLO because I had a, I had to fly out to do it. Well, we were in tech. Um, That was part of like the whole like crazy reason of me being hired there. So I had to disappear twice. 
Um, no, you disappeared. Yeah, you disappeared once to go work with Devin, and then you disappeared again for. Oh yeah, longer. Twin. Twin complained about it when you disappeared and abandoned her. It's true. It, I, got, it, I got phone calls. That was a big production. So, and I was out for a few days, like designing random projections for this opera that didn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> but I just remember, like, Dan, Daniel disappeared, and I was like, okay, uh, he's going to do do a show. And then I got a text from like brett between me brett and tracy and brett's like this crazy thing just happened and she like told me the whole story and we we're like that's so weird and then like daniel comes back and like starts telling me the story and i was like why does this sound so familiar and then i was like oh you guys were on the same show together it's such a small world but it's it's a a, a sadly hilarious story but it's going to be one of my favorite stories you guys still ended up doing a performance right like a staged yeah, we did like a semi-staged, uh, not a reading, reading. the performance. Um, and then we just did concept art on a giant video screen above them with the surtitles. So we kind of created a story with what we had left over, but it was, uh, you know, it was successful for what it was. Like not not to rip on a really bad situation. So they were able to salvage something. And right. the how- the perform, so. yeah. If it rained on stage, how much equipment was ruined? Like you know, whole... I never got the full story. I've, I've got friends there, um, and there are differing levels of rumor that I've heard. But, like, I think they had to replace the stage floor. I know that. Electric storage was underneath. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't think there was much in there. So, <laughs> you know, the old lighting system probably uh, was a little rusty at this point. And when I was supposed to go back, there's uh, I haven't been back in that theater since then. Um, just because of like a series of random things. So theoretically, I was going to be in there this year. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what spring brings. So the theater's open again? Like they're able to. Yeah, sounds COVID, they're open. So I, I think okay. they're shut well, down for the virus, but right. you know, it makes sense. So, But they're able to repair enough to like get it open again. That's my understanding. Yeah. So, and I don't think they had like massive damages. I think the orchestra shell was safe and some of the other like really expensive stuff was okay. But um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So. Yeah, because uh, like replacing the floor is bad enough, but if you had to replace like all the electrics and the speakers and everything that's typically saved on, you know, stored on stage and in the fly, that would. Well, it triggered uh, in the back hallway. It didn't suppress the stage, but it suppressed oh, the stage. Okay. Done. Um, <laughs> would have been millions. Yeah, that's um, why I was like, how did it not? Area. So it like did oh, okay. all the dressing rooms, all the offices, like all the drywall had to be ripped out. Um, yeah. It's pretty gross. So don't don't smoke leaves in electrical rooms. I, I don't know. So I yeah, out of all, all rooms to do it in, why would you do it in that room? I guess nobody really came through that room, so he wasn't going to get caught. I got nothing. I mean, it does not appear to be the most logical decision. So <laughs> there, <laughs> there, there are many decisions that. that were not logical in, in that evening. I, yeah. I know a couple people were charged like criminally in it. So, well. I don't know where the resolution was because I didn't follow up, but it was pretty funny. I mean, like in a horrible way. Yeah. But looking back now, you're like, damn. It's, you know, okay. that story people don't believe. You know, it's one of those. So yeah. that's why you have it framed in your. Yeah. Oh, no. I have nothing on that wall except that. So. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing. This is it. This is, <laughs> this summarizes my life right here. Uh, <laughs> not true. Um, so talking about, I'm jumping back and forth, but I just love that story. So I have to have you tell it. Um, yeah, it's legit. It's funny. Yep. <laughs> tell us about the project you're working on now. Because uh, for a second, I was like, oh, I'll describe it how you've been describing it to me. But I kind of did the same thing that Stacey did earlier. Like, wait, what? Because he well, was like sending me pictures the other day. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. 
So now so you have to tell us. We're I, it's a college production for Bria College. So they um, the director Deborah Martin chose Until the Flood, which is about the Ferguson. Um, it's a series of monologues about Ferguson, basically. Um, but we're going to do it on Zoom because you know we're not. We all agree that exposing students to COVID is a bad idea. Period. Um, so the whole theater department is kind of like virtually online right now. I don't actually. I think none of us are teaching face to face. Our TD has like one apprentice carpenter in. I want to say, but it's just the two of them. Um, and our like our costume shop is even remote. Like they're mailing sewing machines to the students to work. Um, so it's that's, kind of, that's kind of awesome. How do we do the distributed? It's a good thing. I mean, I think that costumes is doing well. Electrics, I need to work. Uh, but yeah, here's a light. I'm going to send it to you. No, go ahead, send it. Um, <laughs> I I don't know how to describe it because it's in early phases. But what we're going to do is essentially distribute a replicated system um so to the performers that's the current concept and we'll see if we get there like this still has to make it through like one budgeting which we'll see where that goes um although i think we might do it that's not that many thousands of dollars um but basically <laughs> we would ship a computer program to each person who's running zoom and they would hook up like a little ArtNet or acn controller to some leds where they're at and then we would create a replicated system so that the lighting designer, for instance, can control what those fixtures are at a certain point within the performance. So instead of like doing everything canned and splicing it together, we're going to try and have live light cues that reflect the actual performance as if it was staged, right? But then we do the Zoom camera cuts. So theoretically, we'll be able to green screen the performers and bring that video in and the stage manager will like manage whether we do Zoom or whatever it is, right? <laughs> we'll manage the camera images and switch those as if it's kind of like a TV cut being done live. But the lighting will be happening in real time across the network based on like a normal system of like calling cues. So it'll still be a light cue one, but it will execute remotely in the different areas. So we're creating kind of a centralized media server that can do that. Um, and then that same media server will have an instance running on a more powerful computer that will do real-time graphics behind them. So we'll take that and real-time green screen them and superimpose them into whatever the set is. So the hope being that if, you know, I have a student designer designing sets and we still need to figure this out, that they can build a 3D model and we can use their idea of a set and what they believe things should look like and control the lights, the costumes, and the scenery behind them in a virtual sense. So like kind of embracing the technology as opposed to just trying to like do monologues on Zoom. Um, and I think the the test so far is like the technology will work. <laughs> there are some hurdles that I'm getting through like getting lights to fade. I can turn them on and off. I just can't fade them right now. Um, but the idea of replicating that to all the spaces should work. So it's kind of, it's just a distributed light board but it's over the internet as opposed to, you know, distributing within a theater as we think of it. And it's not using standard technology. So we're, you know, we've got a program we're writing from scratch and leveraging some other, uh, it's a big video game engine called Unreal um, that's open for this type of thing through. Um, so the students will be working with that to hopefully create a real-time production. Um, you know, we're six or seven weeks out, so I don't have much time to fix this, but it looks pretty promising, so. And uh, it does have a proof of concept. The uh, If you look at the making of The Mandalorian, the Disney TV film, oh, yeah. they actually did some really cool LED walls where right. they would project real-time imagery and film that instead of green screening. Right. They did almost all of their filming in front of video projection walls instead of actually being out in you know the middle of a desert or something. Right. And that's 
if we're in the CGI world, like that's far more theatrical than what we think of, you know, at least from like the, what is theater and what is film? Like that feels a lot more theatrical to me and more real than CGI. Um, and I think you can see it when you watch that series too. There's some slightly more intimate moments with the background instead of it just being the background. Um, and I think that's probably because the actors were able to respond to it. So, you know, we'll see how it works, but it's an interesting technology. And the fact that that's free right now for artists to use is like unreal. I mean, that's, that just makes pun intended, I guess, but like, it's nice to have a multi-million dollar company backing you with the technology. It saves a lot of time. So. It does help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you sending, how many students are involved in this? And you said that they're getting lights and LEDs and stuff too. So are they going to like get a box of like set yep. up this light, focus this way <laughs> and plug it into this and. Yeah, they're, they're a really good bunch. Um, Berea's got a, like, not to, you know, plug the school, but on some level, it's unique. It's a, a labor-based university, so everyone works. It's low-income students from the Appalachian area. So, like, all the students want to be there, um, which is a very different, I just, different than anywhere I've taught. Um, and they're also really helpful with each other. Like, they're supportive. The discussions, there's less of, like, the star trying to take take all the energy and more like, how can I help you do that? Um, which is just a energy. Yeah, it's great. They'll do fine in life, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> better than so many I'm others. that they can collaborate and kind of find their own story to tell within that. So it's not like I'm going to say, hey, hang this light six feet up to the right. You know, it's more like, hey, you have these three LEDs. Why don't you talk to the lighting designer about your monologue and figure out how to light that? And hopefully that person can then program it remotely using this. Um, we'll see how far we get with that. There's not a lot of time to get it figured out. But if they can set levels... You know, theoretically, we can play back those levels at certain times. So, yeah, it's promising so far. And the lighting designer and set designer and costume and all of those are also students? Or do you have, uh, like, don't <laughs> you don't know yet? <laughs> You're working on that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm new. So I was in Madagascar during this COVID thing. Uh, my my wife, Ashley, had a, a Fulbright. So we were actually living in Antananarivo when this thing hit. So I was taking a year off from teaching. So I've, like, met the students for four minutes. Um and I'm reluctant to just say, hey, I'm going to do lighting and scenery. Like, that's not, it's not school. So I want to see if there's a, a student who needs a credit or who's interested in doing it before I take over. Um, and with any luck, they act as, you know, worst case, an assistant. Best case, they're actually, like, taking the lead and having fun with it. So yeah, we'll see. I just don't know yet. That's, that's the reality. You know, we'll know in a week, maybe two. <laughs> Excellent. You know, good yeah. timing. It's like Probably most really theater. Great do some analysis, you know, those things. Um, <laughs> the learning curve has to be huge on that, though, because you're creating a whole new thing. So, like, the amount that they would learn just by working on this one project would be... Yeah, that's kind of my thought. It's also, like, a morale thing, right? We're kind of all in the dumps on COVID. So, like, pulling yeah. off something that's even remotely innovative is uh, healthy, you know, physically and spiritually, I guess, you know? And keeping um, them busy. I'm, I'm so lucky I still get to go to work, because otherwise I'd be bored stiff yeah well I, I went insane earlier in the summer not gonna lie so. <laughs> i think most of us have at some point when mm -hmm. they when covid first hit and they sent us home for a couple of weeks and i was like i can't clean the house anymore like it looks great the backyard looks great the dog's been washed like two times this week i don't know what else to do it's about right it. <laughs> your dog needs a lot of washing though what i love about this is because I was talking to people about this earlier, like when everyone started doing 
Zoom concerts and online concerts and they're doing, you know, songs from home and all this stuff is that it was missing what the rest of us do. You know, there was no scenery, Ooh. no background, no lighting, you know, and I was like, you guys aren't even coordinating your outfits. Can we at least get the the outfits coordinated? Um, <laughs> and so to me, this is the first time that I've I've heard of something that is actually incorporating like production into it because not only was I missing the production aspect of it, but I was like, all of my friends that are production people don't have the same benefit of like my violin friends who are, you know, still get to play the violin and do concerts. We can't do that. You know, like you you can't light, you can't stage match. Granted, we're starting to figure that out. You know, we are starting to stage manage shows a little bit. Um, But I feel like it's much more difficult for lighting and scenery because how do you ship lighting to somebody and then do LEDs? And you have to have the money to do that, you know? Yeah. And that's, um, I looked that's at where our the school comes in, not cut, which was nice. Um, the administration there is, uh, you know, been pretty good because it's a pretty easy year to cut budgets, I think. Um, but uh, they didn't. Yeah. So we have enough money that we can say, okay, what would we do? And the way I'm looking at it is that, you know, the designers, albeit they're fewer, right? Like any program, there are less designers than there are actors and directors. Mm-hmm. Um, they need something to do and they need to practice the craft. Why not do it in this medium? Um, you know, and like buying computers and sending light boards to people doesn't make sense. Like, you know, no one's going to do that. But these systems I'm looking at are like the rough budget was 400 bucks per actor. Like that's not outside the realm of a small company pulling that off, uh, especially in like a three person show, you know, green screen, mm-hmm. you can fake the LEDs you can get as cheap as like $40 at this point, some of the older stuff. So it's like, I don't think there's an excuse to not try to do that, even if you're not doing something that's kind of technologically uh, suicidal. Is that a good word for it? Like we're, <laughs> we're anticipating yes. failure, um, but there are ways to fall back. You know, so it's. I think that even if this blows up, the students will get something out of it, and we can probably still use that equipment artistically if we have to, even if they're just turning on lights and setting a mood before they do the show. Um, so I think it's a real opportunity right. for that. Um, you know, also I've got a stage manager. I've got actually two really talented stage manager students who don't get to call shows right now. And like, how do you run a rehearsal over Zoom? Like, you know, there are these other, there's a lot of questions to ask as far as like, what is it? And like, realistically, are we back by 2022? I hope we are. But like, are we? I don't know. I don't know yeah. if people are going to go to the theater by then. You know, we have a vaccine and all sorts of other questions out there. So, you know, maybe we need to embrace it right now. <laughs> like, what else are we doing? Not collecting much unemployment. That's what we're doing. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea of the scenic designer to designing on 3D because then that does come into projection design, you know, which is what so many companies, well, I was going to say companies think art is cheaper, which is not always the case, but a lot of companies are like, how often have you heard that? Like, oh, we'll just do projections and we don't have to build it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to save us any money. You know I how think much a big be... projector costs? Those things are expensive. They're yeah. cheaper now for rentals. They're way down for the weeklies, but it's still, you know, like way down is like 1600 for a not so great one. Um, yeah, and if you run for multiple weeks and a week during tech and... Mm-hmm. But if the lamp goes out and you got to get a new one and now the whole show stopped, like, yeah, no, that's not. Well, and also just tech time. Like that, most of us have been there. <laughs> Projection yeah. tech, it's, just, it's triple. So 
Yeah, especially yeah. if it's well, mapping it's on set pieces or moving set pieces. And... Oof. Yeah, I learned my lesson on that one. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use sensors in the future. That's what I learned on that one. Need to figure use out what? sensors. I had a uh, op at, uh, this is Opera Santa Barbara. We just did a butterfly. And uh, they had shoji screens that moved in and out, um, four of them. And I tried to projection map as they moved. And like, we gave up at a certain point and uh, got it like to the good enough phase because they just could not get the, um, wasn't a stage management issue. It was a board operator being able to visually tell what was happening, but also get the course members to push consistent speeds. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're not equipped to do that without tons of rehearsal. So um, yeah, it just didn't quite work be the nice way to put it. It still worked for most of the show, but some of the really beautiful transitions, just like, you know, video flying off into nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> So what would you do different? You said. Uh... Try and automate it somehow with vision, um, you know, try and have a camera that's tracking those in some way. Oh. It's probably out of budget. You know, it's probably something that can't easily be done. I certainly didn't have the time to do it. Right. Um, if I went into that. I would definitely like anticipate that problem and try and solve it again. Um, there's probably a way to do it that would make it easier to figure out, um, but probably not perfect without adding a lot of budget. So, yeah. yeah, especially since it's such new technology that it always just takes more money. Yeah. And the real time tracking of actors, like it exists for spotlights, right? But they're wearing like a specific thing where the radio is tracking them. And it's like, yeah, how much are we going to have to spend to figure that out on scenery? You know, or can we do it with a camera? And the answer is maybe we can do it with a camera. And then maybe it works perfect. And then the lighting designer tweaked on the lights and it doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> An actor's um, blocked in front of the sensor and the direct feed isn't going or something. Yeah, all sorts of that. And maybe the answer is automation. Maybe there's other ways to do it. Um, you know, but that's actually a fun world. So, you know, those are fun problems to solve. Right? It's also funny that you just did Butterfly at OSB because Twin and I both did Butterfly at OSB, but like... <laughs> six years ago wow that recent eight years ago they, yeah it's yeah i was, I was surprised, surprised when i saw they were bringing it back because it really wasn't that long ago but we had a very very old set that just it i'm not sure how it stayed together it smelled it was so <laughs> we had to up. cancel a day of tech because it was so moldy that right. the the crew was getting sick from it and so we're like we can't bring singers in here with all these like spores from the from the backdrop so we Maybe literally canceled the day of yeah yeah that's that's why you had to do projections i guess because it was it was really bad no and he told me he was doing that i was like we just did it how are you i mean i know people bring shows back every like five to eight years but it was it, was it wasn't that recent. long ago yeah i know now i'm gonna look it up but it was I pretty could, recent i could be completely off on my numbers because i'm terrible at timelines no. i just know what show i was doing before and after but but you did two shows at uh, OSB. I only did one. Well, I, did, I did four or five shows, Twin. Oh. Wow. Was Coastis artistic director there while you were there? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I did Don Pasquale and Aida and Butterfly. I feel like there was one more. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm really good at blocking some things out. It's done. It's passed. I forgot. <laughs> now I can't find my list. Okay, well, I'll have to look it up later. But yeah, it was it was pretty recent. Uh, butterfly. Wait, I had another question. 
I have to go back to your uh, eight Oh, I did Tosca. Resume. I did Tosca. Uh, oh, yeah, on the resume, and this is probably jumping all over the place, but I saw you did On the Verge. Yeah. What did, what did you do for On the Verge? Uh, I was the LD on that. Uh, nice. Julia, that. that was that's fun that was attic theater company so they uh, we actually got a great venue in new york that was nice so it is cool. such an interesting piece because when they first asked uh long beach playhouse did it and i was i think props on that one and I, he gave the director was so excited about it and he gave it to me to read and i like every other word i had like my computer open and i was in the dictionaries and trying to figure out what was going on um, and then when I saw it staged and all that, it made so much more sense. But yeah, just reading it for the first time, I was like, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> no, all over I'm, the place. That uh, I would like to do that again at at some point with students. I'd have to have the right group, but that would be fun. That's a really good student production. Plus, it's uh, what three or four females and one male, so it's yep. it's nice that it's female heavy. It's a good script too. I mean, it's like. It's a great script. It was amazing to watch. It just was very dense for me to get through on reading. <laughs> what is it about? I mean, I've heard the 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 title, but I don't know anything about it. I mean, that's fundamentally it's a, yeah. it's a feminist piece, but it's time traveling Victorians and they go and they're venturing through time looking at stuff. And then the male character plays all the other uh, sub roles. And there's like a Yeti and a bunch of other, they go through uh -huh. the jungle, the cannibals and then have tea with them. And, you know, it's just... It kind of like attacks a bunch of stereotypes uh, with humor, but it's also, you don't need much to do the show. Like that's, it's yeah. really abstract. So you can do it with like very little and just make compelling performances. And that's, yeah. that's fun. So we had this, uh, just one set piece that looked kind of like a spider because it was a more steampunk themed because of Victorian. And so they would like raise two legs and drape something over it. And now it's the tent and they would lower this leg and raise legs on stage left. And now it's, you know, the cave, the Yeti comes out of or whatever. So yeah, I was, that was basically the only set piece was this big thing that had moving arms to it. Yeah. We did something similar. I mean, it wasn't a spider, but we just had a bunch of industrial poles um, and a void that was kind of like a shimmery mylar behind it and some mm -hmm. platform. And then we had a bunch of clip lights. And so we would use the clip lights as like the keying for little systems as much as possible and use them as specials. So we kind of tried to keep it as intimate as possible within that. But it was fun. That was that was probably the best show I've done with that. Okay. Yeah, it's a really good one. It's one that yeah. a lot of people don't know about. Is it new? Not really. I think it's actually pretty old. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I don't remember. Like I said, it's a, I, I recognize the title, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, if it ever comes up, it's worth seeing. So it's yeah. one of those. It would not be good on Zoom. I don't think that would work. <laughs> I don't know how many pieces would work on Zoom. Like the one you're doing is monologues, right? And I, I saw they modified speed dating tonight specifically mm -hmm. for Zoom. But even then, it's like two people, two people. But I couldn't imagine anything much bigger because it's so hard to do. I guess it would be hard to coordinate like split screen and interactions and like looking at each other no that's the real problem i mean then we're starting to get into a whole new technology problem so which i'm looking yeah. at well you could just yeah. i was gonna say you could just build us a new system for that because yeah, that's yeah. what you do i mean actually that's not too hard but streaming video just eats its bandwidth that's our problem our internet is not up to snuff we were in south korea we could probably pull it off but, yeah. and then you have to worry about all of what we're running into 
all the performers have to have good bandwidth and stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Because they're streaming live. So like, how do you, like my internet at home is probably good because my husband does all that stuff, but my parents, it wouldn't work at all at their house. Yeah. And it, it depends on where you live. You know, like if you're living in LA, you're probably fine. I have pretty decent internet in Montana, but Kentucky, no. Like if you're in the mountains, they don't have internet. You know, literally some of the places don't. Um, so how does that person perform, you know, or watch for that matter? Um, there's a lot of questions. So yeah, we'll you good, good internet in Montana because you're at a university. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm assuming luck. Um, that's, <laughs> like I might be near a backbone or something. I haven't looked it up, but like we have to be near something that's running to Seattle would be my guess. Oh, right. So, you know, it's not great though. I have better internet in New Mexico, so that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is just weird. It is. Another funny thing, because it's just weird, but uh, Peter came to the show or came to an after party. And uh, what is it? His dad lives in the same tiny little town that you now live in. That's like uh, 3,000 people. And like, yeah, they they have their training center for Great Harvest Bread is located here. So I was like, how, (laughs) how random is that? Like, we're sitting in Boston with, yeah. Such a, well, such a small world. Same as the guy I'm working with right now uh, oh, right. grew up a couple blocks away from where Cindy's husband grew up and where they currently live. And all of his family's still out there. So sometimes, like the other day, me and John called Cindy and then John's niece to tell them they needed to connect at a local Mexican restaurant next to him. <laughs> but we're out here in LA and they're in Brooklyn. So small worlds. It is. Shockingly small world. Mm-hmm. We haven't been, but that's because we're in COVID land. And no, I, no. we just called you like a week ago. <laughs> but you really yeah, but need to go get a margarita. I was going to say, it's a margaritas. Usually I, I travel for those things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's totally done that. Can you tell us a little bit, and I actually don't know how much you've done on this, but the industrial things mm. that you work on, because we haven't have we had anybody on the podcast, Stacey, that has done like industrial works? M- mostly it's not really. It's a lot of opera people because that's who I bring in. Yep. But yeah. I feel like stage it's stage managers. <laughs> you know, I have I have my favorites. Uh, but I know people in the theater world that do industrials. Like I knew no stage managers who do industrials. What is that like? And how did you get into that? I kind of fell into that, honestly, right out of undergrad. I worked for Europe in Santa Fe, uh, running a shop that did small, small scale industrials. Uh, Hogel's, they no longer exist. Um, I don't know how they ran that out of business, the guys that took over, but but excellent work on misaccounting there. They forgot to bill me on a ballet for like three months and then just never collected on a rental. Like, unfortunate, it was a really cool shop. (laughs) (laughs) It was the only theatrical supplier in New Mexico. Um, Bummer. But uh, that's how I fell into it. So I kind of did some experience there. But um, I worked really closely with Devin. So, you know, when he gets overwhelmed or a project needs more than one person, I usually get a call. Um, and my other background, because of the computer, is the pre-visualization stuff for lighting. So like building the 3D models and faking out renderings and doing the client-facing stuff. Um, I can do that pretty quickly. So I get called a little bit to do like a last-minute bid on a show to create some sort of graphic to try and do the sale sale of the production. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of how I got into it, but really it's the ME side. You know, I'm a moving light programmer. That's where I 
started in lighting really more than anything was doing that um kind of in the early 2000s was when i was doing a lot of moving light programming on like an express or whatever for shows um and devin will repeatedly call me and i met a lot of people through that um, but typically i work almost solely with devin on the industrial side i've been in opera and education long enough that that's kind of my my main source of money at this point um, so when you yeah. say industrials are you talking um conventions more conventions sometimes okay. you know i did some work is the event over i don't know what my nda says on that so i shouldn't say anything but like larger computer companies um doing layouts and renderings for that like there's a lot of middle management type design work that needs to be done and that's where i've kind of found my niche in that uh, you know there's money which is great so that it does yeah. pay the bill but it's it mostly like drafting trying to do the prep work making sure that the crews come out and then very often substituting for someone so you know if uh if someone gets double booked they don't want to give up their gigs you know just like us so they might send an associate and typically i'll be that associate for devon um or, you know, sometimes we just need two lighting directors on a gig. That's <laughs> pretty common on the larger floors, you know, or if you have two venues to run at the same time. Um, from the size of them that I see from pictures of like on your website or that he shows me, they're massive. I can't even imagine yeah. anything that big. It just seems scary to me. Do you do a lot it's of the programming cool. for that? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do the programming. It's actually way less work than opera, like to be honest. Um, it's not that it's not artistic, there is some art to it, but fundamentally you're usually matching a brand's colors. Like mm -hmm. they're gonna get really bent out of shape if you do anything else, unless mm -hmm. it's, you know, and uh, it's basically like a TV shoot. I mean, fundamentally that's the, the difference between that kind of industrial slash conference side of things in theater is that it's about the camera, you know? So you're gonna take someone on a podium and blast them on a big screen. Right, and then try and make it look and build energy under that. That's kind of like the same concept across the board, whatever the uh, underlying sub-concept is. And fundamentally, when they're paying that much money to do that, there's usually like employee training going on. You know, so they're bringing in people from around the U.S. or around the world to go to that and be trained. Um, I assume those are pretty dead right now too with COVID. I haven't heard much about them. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. That's that's how I got into it, but more from the technical side, you know, like making sure that the lighting system is prepped and gets hung properly. Um, doing a lot of the pre-work to make sure that there's not silly mistakes that happen before it goes up. Um, and you just don't have the time to correct mistakes nine times out of 10. You know, if someone misaddresses a light, then that's all she wrote, turn it off. You know, um, sometimes you can get a look back. Uh, but lighting's small for those shows. Like really, it's not about the lighting of most of them. It's really about the video people, you know, and the scenery. Um, and scenery is a drop in the bucket too. It's usually how many projectors can you put on this? Um, and that'll be the big team. So. Hmm. Because I just think, Cindy, we've, you've been to like Comic-Con and stuff. Like there's lighting everywhere and it's either just slowly scrolling through things or make the stage really, really bright so we can see the famous people sitting behind a table. Yep. Sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and a lot of the lighting is done by, um, I would call it AB hands, which is not to diminish their work. You know, that's like a backbone of the industry. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like a technician going out, hanging a light and turning it on. You know, that is that is the design, you know, and hopefully that person has a sense of uh, decorum when they do it, you know, and they may or may not. So, but like most of the time, a designer can't go fix that. You know, we, uh, we kind of specialize in the more theatrical side of it. So we're on the, you know, the main event or the, uh, what do they call it? <sighs> uh, there's a name for it usually the whatever's in the ballroom you know <laughs> yeah the big ones yeah 
interesting is it's it's so it's such a quick turnaround, you know, and I'm for lighting centers, it's a quick turnaround for opera, in my opinion, you know, because I'm there for like oh, yeah. seven weeks. But <laughs> you know, most people are not. I know most people are not. But for these things, you guys, I, I want to say like load in for like a day or two, have the performance and that's it, right? They're usually like under I mean, a week. A three day load in, that's amazing. But yeah, usually a day or two if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on the scale of it and what they're spending. Um, but yeah, if there's not huge production values, um, well, I didn't have an NDA for Amazon, so I can talk about that one. But like we did a big conference for training on them in DC in three days, you know, which was luxurious on some level. We had a plenty of time. And that was a team of three people from the management side for the lighting, plus the, uh, I can't remember if that was union or non-union at that center. Um, but it was a company that was contracted out. So, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of time. And we definitely, like, left mistakes in the air. You know, we didn't get to focus every light. But, you know, we flew it in, <laughs> eyeballed it, and then flew it back out. So. Hmm. You know, you, I, I'm assuming you enjoy it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> opera, so. I guess that was a weird, a weird comment. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> well, I guess my thought behind that was, like, stage managers i know there are some stage managers that really love doing stuff like that and there's stage managers that do it because it's really good money for a week's worth of work you know or like you do it for three days and that will pay for your whole month i think that's true but there's some that like one specifically i know i've done broadway bears with her but she just 90 percent of what she does is industrials and we had a whole conversation because she was like why would you do opera it pays so little and i was like yeah but Yes, but it. I, I like the the artistic side of it. Like, and she was like, well, "You should just do industrials." And I was like, "Yeah, but that doesn't for me is not as uh, appealing, as satisfying as yeah." Doing it's that. You know, I don't like being a board off, but like fundamentally on an industrial, I'm a board off. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I do. You know, yeah. I make mistakes when I'm a board off. Like, I'm not. That is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate watching the same thing over and over. Like after a week of tech, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've seen this show like five times. And Twin's like, yeah, I get to go watch the show 500 times. And I'm like, God, I'm <laughs> over it. I don't want to sit through rehearsal. I already watched a designer run in like three days of tech. So I'd probably be good at that because I'm like, yeah, in and out, done, moving on, next show. Yeah, but that's kind of what you do now. That is what I do now. In and out, move on, next show. Red carpet. <laughs> Experience, done, moving on. And I think it does pay better than opera. So yeah, yeah, opera know. pays better than regular theater. So everybody's got their standings. Yeah, theater, that's tough. It's not fair, but it just is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So true. Not much we can do about it. <laughs> I lost the message you sent me, Twin. What, what did it say? The one that she said, said we were running out of time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad I sent you these messages. You pay a lot of attention to them. Look, I did. It's so funny that I think I've said this on another podcast that uh, even though I'm the stage manager and she's a technical director, she's the one that keeps us on track time-wise, which is so weird because I keep people on track for time in rehearsals, but for whatever reason, I just don't pay attention to it in this case. Well, I have I have a constant running thing that I'm watching to make sure that our levels are okay, and it has clicker uh, right above it for every one second so i see exactly what time it is i was wondering how you were so on top of this yeah it clicks i see <laughs> i wasn't expecting you to be this organized um i don't think i planned 
I don't think I warned you about the last question. Yeah, since like half the podcast we do, we don't warn people. I'm going to get better at this. No, you're not. We're, we've done a hundred and like eight episodes. No, I'm going to come up with like a... <laughs> well, I'm a slow learner. What can I say? Uh, okay, so our last question, because we're twins and it's called Twins Talk Theater, we like to know if you have any twin stories. It doesn't have to be theater related. We just enjoy listening to twin stories if you have any, because they usually make us laugh. I, you have any I, good stories I, about twins? No, nothing. Honestly, any good stories about Cindy? I mean, we have we have the BLO show we did together. That that whole story. That was, <laughs> that was a fun month. That was, that was a big one. Yeah, Got really a That was just a a show that was more difficult than it should have been. Be the the nice way to put that. I think because everyone came in so late on the management side. Um, but that it's not a criticism. It was just like it felt like pulling teeth sometimes with that when it really shouldn't have been given the team. Um, but no, no, no good Cindy stories. Sorry, you know. We've I'm boring. Been for a year and a half, so <laughs> <sighs> mostly over text. So yo, COVID. <laughs> she does that a lot. Not so. even a year and a half because you were in. You weren't even in this. Oh, you're right. Hemisphere forever. That's true. I was in Africa for a large portion of that. So. I mean, I have lemur stories. There was a lemur on my head. That was exciting. I, I like I lemurs. <laughs> They're so cute. cute. They're soft, too. The uh, the pads of their hands are really soft. Quinn, maybe I need a lemur. I've always wanted a lemur. I don't think you need a lemur. Just go to Madagascar after COVID. Yeah. After COVID. <laughs> there are plenty, plenty of lemurs there. Um, I don't think my dog really would cool. approve of a lemur. Probably. There's a funny picture of, because Charlotte didn't like them either, did she? There's a funny picture. Um, she of, like, liked them, but she was kind of apprehensive. When uh, we went to, uh, what was it called? Bacona Lodge, which is a couple hours outside of Antananarivo. Um, but they have like, lemurs won't go into water. That's something we learned, which is fascinating, but they will not swim. They won't go near it. So they just have like a shallow little like canoe lake and it contains all the lemurs on this island. <laughs> um, but the common <laughs> brown lemur, uh, they have some that would crawl on you. You know, and it's kind of a tourist thing, um, but fundamentally, some of the lemurs are endangered and some, are, some aren't. The common brown lemur is not. <laughs> um, so they uh, would kind of greet you and there'd be lemurs and they like jump on your head, you know, and crawl all over you. And they don't warn you because they're looking for photo ops. Um, but I happened to have like a GoPro rolling when we walked in because I was just, I didn't want to be doing photos. I was taking care of a toddler. And so I was holding her and then a lemur jumped on me, jumped on my head and tried to crawl on her head. Um, and that's how I discovered they're soft. They like really gentle. Like unlike a cat or a dog, you who have like really hard feet, the lemurs are really very. It doesn't feel like anything's on you at all. So, huh. and they're smart. They're they're funny and they sound like little hogs. They kind of grow. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think Twin I did know. show me the video. It was like a time lapse of you guys walking through a jungle and a little kid yeah. and some monkeys and that was about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, COVID hit and we came home. So the State Department evacuated us. Yay. Yay! Um, yay! So, well, pandemics. I know we were living in Madagascar, and that's what we got to see. It was a you know tourist trap. So we were actually slated to go to our vacation when we got uh, evacuated. The semester just ended. So, oh well, say la vie. So yeah, well, but now you're home, and I can text you all the time. It's true. I he is so excited home. about that. I'm sure. <laughs> he responds. It's true. I'm bored too. <laughs> I'm teaching now. I'm less bored, but still bored. That's true. 
Okay, fine. No twin stories. Sorry, just don't have any. <laughs> That's why we try to warn people because people are like, I don't have any, and then they're like, Oh no, I do. But you just have to think about it for a while. But not everybody I mean, does. Maybe in a couple of days I'll get back to you. Yeah. Okay, great. great. Let us know. Yeah, text Cindy, <laughs> and then she'll forward it to me, and then we'll all be good. Yeah, okay. And no twin stories. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. This was sure. it's very not what we talk about on this podcast because we've never had anybody who does like programming and industrials and just creates their own stuff. It's very different. But what I love about it is it's still theater. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I just I do the experimental. Well, Julia does this stuff all the time. She doesn't do the software side, but she does weird shows all the time. I know, but I haven't talked about it. No, we've talked about it. I just haven't been able to get her on because her schedule is usually like more crazy than I am. She's usually doing like six shows yeah. at once. I only do four shows at once. Yeah, she's overbooked. That's an understatement. Um. Yeah. So that's why, like we've talked about it. I just haven't been able to schedule it, but she's on the list, especially right. for Gorilla Opera. Yeah, that's cool stuff. It's really we cool. We actually used motion at one of a girl opera shows, the uh, Troubled Did Water. you? Yeah. That was actually mostly controlled through that. So we did a little bit of QLab stuff, but it was like 90% real time. So, and it crashed. It was great. So, but uh, oh, a good stage yeah, she, she rolled with the punches on that one. So <laughs> as a good stage manager should. There were a no, lot she's a producer. I don't even know what Julia's title is. Julia does like everything. She's a yeah. designer, producer, art, she's co-artistic director of Gorilla. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. She usually does this up for them as well. But yeah, <laughs> she has a lot of titles at a lot of places. So. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, what does Julia do at Boston? I was like, I don't know. Finds people where they need to be and makes things happen. I don't know. I don't she know if there's a good production there. notes. She was sly about it, but she gave great notes for Handmaid's too, So Yeah, that's just what she does. I don't know. <laughs> we'll bring her on and we'll ask her what she does what do there you do be awesome thank you so much for being on it was really awesome yeah. to, to learn all this stuff and i'm glad we found time yeah Yay. have fun thank you <laughs> thanks bye bye thank you for listening to today's podcast for more visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.